Welcome to Hey Therapist. I'm your host, Leslie Ross. With me is my producer, Jay Wesley Lindley. Let's get mental. Welcome to episode two. We're going to call this one Emotions Are Dumb. We're going to talk about emotions and what they are and how they feel. So when we're talking about emotions, you know, some people think that there's a whole lot of emotions out there to be had, and there are. We're told, you know, we kind of grow up with these five major emotions, you know, happiness, sadness, fear, surprise, anger, disgust even. But there was a Berkeley study done not that long ago, and they identified 27 possible emotions. And it's kind of a broad range, and I'm certainly not going to read them all. You can Google the study if you really want to. But it talks about how, you know, there's a broad scope, and emotions aren't just what we we consider on the base level. And, you know, when I was looking at this study, and they talk about disappointments and Empathetic pain is one of the things in there, you know, you know, I guess it is an emotion, we feel it in our feelings. But is that real? Is that something that is covering up for something else? So, you know, when we talk about feelings and emotions, you know, one thing I always like to say is feelings are not always facts, because they come from a certain place. And emotions are often liars. So we have to talk about how those emotions are learned and formed. So we can better understand that. When we're talking about how they're formed, you know, when we're little and we're growing up is where we learn how to be emotional. It's where we learn what we should be sad about. It's where we learn what to be anxious about. It's where we learn what to be happy about. And some of it is innate. I mean, there is the whole nature versus nurture. But sometimes if you have very anxious parents or even just one parent that's very anxious, you will probably have an anxious child because they get that feeling from you. They're feeding off of your energy. They're feeding off of your moods. And if you're anxious about something, they're going to be anxious about something and not even know what it is. And it's more of a fear-based, you know, we talk about anxiety is more of a state than an emotion because anxiety comes from, you know, a lot of other things. We have it in the fight-flight system, but also it is a cover for a lot of things like fear and sadness and disappointment and those types of things. When you're raising your children, how you act and respond to them is very important. And, you know, we don't want kiddos to just be out there willy nilly in the world, you know, showing showing out or whatever, but kids should get to feel their feels. And a lot of times parents don't allow that or caregivers or teachers or anyone. And, and so, you know, I always joke, like we've talked about, I do a lot of training with law enforcement and military people. And one of the things I always say in the training is, you know, most of the time men get three emotions, They can be happy, they can be neutral, or they can be pissed, just mad about it. They don't get any of the in-betweens. Like, you can't cry, you can't be really upset, you're not going to have those types, you're not supposed to have those types of feelings, so everything gets covered up in anger. And you'll see that a lot of times in little kids, if they're not able to express themselves, if, if they're not getting recognized for their emotions, if they're not getting asked what's going on, they get angry. And they throw these tantrums. And so why is that happening? So what is that emotion? It's about having that discussion with them. It's about figuring out what is actually happening inside there and what's going on because they may be doing that because they're afraid. They may be acting out or crying or scared 
because they heard something and no one's explained it to them. Emotion is learned and feelings are learned. And when things happen to us in our life, stressful events, traumatic events, normal events, we have a thought about it. We have emotions about it. We have feelings about it. And it attaches in our whole body. And when we have things that are really uncomfortable or adverse or traumatic, that attaches with whatever mindset we're in at the time. So if you're a little kid, you know, and we're in those early stages, because remember, we we have our, our stages of growth and kids are very selfish and they're selfish because they literally do not have the parts of the brain that would make them not be selfish. Like it's just not there. They don't understand. Yes, kids are ungrateful. A thousand percent. They don't have the parts to be grateful. No, they don't understand how much money you spend on them. They don't understand all you do for them because you're supposed to, because they're your kid. And that's the mindset that children have because that's the part of the brains that are developed. So when we have things happen as a little kid and no one explains it to us and maybe we don't get support or help, you know, we grow up with these negative beliefs about ourselves, these negative cognitions. I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I'm not friendly, people don't like me, these types of things because of something that happened. Let's say it was abuse or even friend groups or bullying, those types of things, they set in into their whole body. So then when we're moving through life and we have things happen that kind of feel like that, or they bring up the same emotion, our brain automatically goes, oh, I know what this is. It's this from back here and we're not good enough or we're not lovable or we're not all of these things. And so we have that big reaction, even though it may not be what's happening in the present moment. That's just the way trauma works and how trauma is formed. And again, I don't use trauma loosely. There's a lot of things that happen are traumatic to people and it's about perspective. When we have these things and we create these beliefs about ourselves, we move through life with them. I would bet some of you listening right now are thinking, yeah, when I have a moment, I feel like a little kid. I react like a little kid. I throw a tantrum like a little kid. And it's because what you're feeling is from somewhere back, maybe even when you were a little kid, because that's how it attached in your body. And so we just really want to be mindful and be aware of what is actually happening to us and what we're feeling. And that's why you know, when we talk about emotions and feelings and your body, what does it feel like to you? It's important to understand what does it feel like? Well, it's this. Okay, but what is it? What is underneath that? So when you're doing therapy, you know, a lot of time when you have that emotion or that thought, well, that made me mad. Okay, why? Well, because they disrespected me. Okay, why? Why did you feel disrespected in that moment? Well, because of this. Okay, but what does that mean to you? And usually when you keep breaking it down that way, we get to one of those negative beliefs. We get to, it means I'm not good enough, or it means I'm unlovable, or it means they don't care about me, or whatever it is that you've ingrained into that emotion and that feeling. It's not really about being disrespectful. It's not because they were purposefully trying to hurt you. It's because you formed a thought, feeling, and emotion And now you're operating out of that in your adult life when that's just not what's happening in that moment. When we're talking about our big feelings, you know, we can feel joy and happiness on a regular basis. You can be mad, like you can be mad about things and sometimes you're just mad about it. Maybe somebody cut you off and it made you mad, fine. Okay, you can be mad about it and that probably doesn't have any underlying feelings, but it might, 
you never know. It could have there could have been something that happened. You could have been involved in a road rate incident, and now you're triggered back to that. But you can be mad. You can be happy. You can be surprised. You can be scared. Yes, those are all normal things that can happen. But if it's happening at a time that you feel like maybe it shouldn't be, or you feel that it's like over the top sadness or over the top anger about something small, and maybe even your partner or your friends or your family are going, whoa, hey, what is happening right now? Why are you having such a big reaction? Like we just said this, you know, that may be that time to really internalize that and to start backtracking and go, why am I having this emotion? Because in the moment, you're going to just have it. You're like, yeah, screw you guys. I'm going home, whatever. But then you think about it. If everyone is saying it wasn't that big of a deal, why does it feel like that big of a deal to me? What does it actually mean to me? And it's working kind of backwards through those emotions. Well, it feels like this. And I thought this and it made me, it made me mad. Okay. Why did it make you mad? Why did it hurt your feelings? Why did it disappoint you? Because X, Y, Z. Okay. But what does that mean to you? And you just keep working down that chain until you get that negative belief about yourself. And sometimes if your brain is not wanting to work that way, you can go with the emotional feeling. You can go with that actual feeling in your body. Well, it makes my stomach really upset. Like I get the emotional belly. Okay. When do you remember having that before? What has normally triggered that for you? Let's backtrack that and go, oh, yeah, I remember this one time when, you know, I was in school and people were being really mean to me and maybe I got sick or something and then everybody made fun of me. And and now every time my stomach hurts, it makes me I get really embarrassed. Like when I when I get a stomach ache or I have to go excuse myself to go to the bathroom, even in normal situations where normal people would have to go to the bathroom, you know. And so it's it's about backtracking that and figuring out where does this come from and what does it mean and then healing that part of you. And that little kid in you needs healed most of the time. We all do. I've never met anybody in my life that didn't have a a little piece of their child, their little inner child, that little part of you that's screaming when they get their feelings hurt or lashing out when they get mad need to do some work. It's having a conversation with that little part of you. It's it's talking to yourself. And some people are like, I don't talk to myself. I talk to myself all the time, though. I, I mean, I talk out loud to myself. I talk to myself, I, whatever. If I don't get things done, I talk to myself. But you know, it's addressing that little part of you and just letting that little part of you rest and saying, hey, kiddo, we don't need that anymore. And that's when it's really important to be present in the moment that you're in and say, okay, what is actually happening right now? Is this person really targeting me? Am I really this afraid? Why would I be concerned about this or that? Let's say you're in a crowded situation and you start feeling that social anxiety, that, you know, increased pressure. I'm, I'm trapped. I'm, that I'm in a crowd. What is happening? Let's figure out why you're starting to feel that way. And in this moment, should you be concerned? And most of the time, the answer is no. And maybe it's, maybe you should be like, maybe you're like, yeah, something about this I don't like. Like my spidey senses are going off. My instincts are flying. Trust that always. But we have to be able to determine which is instinct and what is fear or something really old. Uh, Because I'm a big, big fan of trusting your instincts. I mean, we have instincts and gut reactions. I call them spidey senses, whatever you want to call it. We have that for a reason. That was, again, something that we were just given, you know, bear. 
lion, run, those things. You have to kind of sense, oh, I sense danger. Maybe I should do something. You know, those are very real. And I think a lot of times we're taught not to trust that because we should just go along or be comfortable with whatever situation you're in. Those are there for a reason. But if you're having this reaction everywhere and you're having this reaction that's keeping you from going places or you're having this reaction and it's doing these things, then that's, again, when we know we have a problem, that's when we need to stop and go, okay, what is this really? Where is it coming from? How do I move through it? Um, you know, there are those things that make everybody uncomfortable. And some people say, well, I should, I should be able to do that, though. Other people do it. And I'm like, yeah, but they still get It's like public speaking. You know, I can train people. I can get up in front of 10 people or 1,000 people and do the same training, and I'm fine. But I still get nervous before I get up. Like, my stomach starts doing that little dancey thing. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to pee. Like, you don't have to pee. You just went. I'm like, no, I got to pee. I'm going to have to pee in the middle of my seat. You're not going to have to pee. Go. Just get out there and start talking. And as soon as I get out there and start talking, I'm fine. And, you know, but that's normal performance anxiety. That's normal get out there anxiety because it goes away. You know, I'm not having a panic attack. I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm not unable to do it. I can still get out there and do it. It doesn't stop me. But, you know, there was a time where I was having panic attacks. I could go to work and come home. But when I would get ready to go out and meet friends or go out to the bar or just go to a simple dinner, I would go into a panic attack. And it was because I came out of a relationship where when we were out in public, a lot of times it ended very, very badly and in public. So once I was out of that relationship and relaxed everything, my brain was like, oh, cool, deal with all of this now. So I would be in tears driving places, like literal tears. I would get to places with my friends because I didn't let it stop me because I knew if I didn't go, I would never leave my house again. So you have to go. So I would get to restaurants or bars and I would have tears in my eyes and my friends would be like, you good? And I'm like, yep, let's go. And we would just start moving and then it would go away because my brain would go, okay, this is a whole different situation. You know, I would talk myself through it. This is not that. This is a whole different situation. I would say I'm in a safe place. I'm with my friends. Nothing bad is going to happen in that sense. You're good. And eventually my brain would catch up to my body and I would have a great time and, you know, go home and be fine. But it's that taking over. It was, I knew it was irrational. I knew where it was coming from. I had to deal with it. There was another shooting today, yes. by the way. We're recording on April 10th. That was, there was another shooting. It's talking about emotions and heightened emotions. And we'll get to, a. I think there'll be a whole other podcast about this. But I see this and I think what bothers me is, you know, we have the previous mass shooting because there's been almost there's been what 15 in the US since the first of the year. Um, you know, and this last one before this one was executed by, you know, a, a transgender person. Everyone was up in arms against the LGBTQ community, but that was just one by someone who probably and I don't know the story. But I know that this person was going to a Christian academy and that vengeance was against that academy. So I'm guessing they were probably broken by that school. They were not getting acceptance. They were not getting anything, which is what this, you know, country is now trying to do to everyone else. And our LGBTQ children especially have the highest rates of suicide of any population. But we're trying to take away any health care. We're trying to take away any options for them. Most of the shootings are not transgender people. They are white males. 
those individuals, again, men are not encouraged for mental health treatment. Men are not encouraged to go seek therapy. Men are not encouraged to feel their feelings and to talk about things and to reach out. I don't know much about what happened today or that person's story, but I know he was only 23. And the fact that that's happening and most of them, you know, most of our mass shooters are young, young white males. I think it's just a disservice to the community to not address the lack of mental health care and the lack of access that people have and the lack of understanding that mental health care is health care, that men need to feel their feelings, that little boys don't need to be told to suck it up or don't cry about it. Don't have. Yes, cry about it. But then we move forward, just like we would tell a little just like a little girl should be told. You can cry about it. And then we move forward. It's okay to get your feelings hurt. And then we move on from it. What did we learn? What do we do differently? What do you take from this? What's the lesson? Like, Okay, people suck. Sure, that may be the lesson, but it's the lesson. Sometimes people aren't going to like you. Sometimes people aren't going to accept you. You are not going to be everyone's friend. You don't want everyone to be your friend. There's people out there you don't like too. And so it's it's looking at, it's changing that perspective. It's looking at it from a different angle. It's letting people feel their feelings. And again, I don't, like I said, I don't know the story about the person today. There's been very limited release, but I know it was a 23-year-old male. It, it goes into that lack of funding. It goes into that lack of, of opportunity. It's the healthcare system in our whole United States, which just, oh my goodness, is so broken. We're so worried about the wrong things instead of taking care of our people. And, and that's that whole health. Everything needs to be taken care of. Like if we see these kids slipping, if we see them falling through the cracks, what do they need? Like schools see it. They know. Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of those things when it happens, they're like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. Oh, yeah. Then why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you get this kid assistance? Why didn't you do why you can't depend on parents to do it because most mental health things are generational. Like they're genetic and generational. And there's a lot of families out there that do not believe in mental health services. There's a lot of families out there that do not believe mental illness is a real thing, even though everyone in the family suffers. They don't believe in it. It's this or that or the other, or they just got this. And No, they're mentally ill. They have a mental health issue and it needs to be treated as a health issue. Because if we don't take time for our wellness, our illness will make us take time for it. We have to take care of the people and we have to, when these things are recognized, you keep trying, you keep trying to get through to them. You know, I, I'm sure there's probably someone out there like, oh, my teenager, though, they're the worst. They won't even listen to me. They're not. You keep trying. You, you keep asking what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, because at some point they may be ready to tell you and they know you're going to be open to hear it. And when they tell you, you say, OK, that's that sounds terrible. How can I help you? You're not talking them out of their feelings. We're not negating what's going through them, because, again, emotions are very personal, like what seems asinine to you may be very real to them. So we talk about those emotions. You talk it through and say, OK, well, what? Well, how would you choose to feel about that situation? How, what would you prefer to feel? Well, I would like to think people like me. Okay, who does like you? Or, okay, it maybe it's just because you're, you know, do you feel like you're being awkward? Do we need to work on your social skills? Is there something we need to work on with, you know, because sometimes you may be the problem, but that's not without fixing, right? It's learning why you're the problem. Maybe you're very standoffish or your shyness makes you come across 
mean or you got resting bitch face, whatever. Like you can work on those things and move forward and say, okay, well, this may be the issue. Maybe people don't approach me because I don't look approachable. Maybe kids don't invite me to play because I never play. Because most of the time when you see these big kid group playing, they're not inviting each other. They're just jumping out there playing. But for a shy kid or someone who has some social anxiety or whatever, they're not going to do that. They need to be invited. They need to understand that. So, you know, if you're that person out there that sees the outsider, check on them. Maybe they want to be the outsider. Maybe they're cool with it. But maybe it's because no one's asked. You know, it goes back to what is happening in the moment. Not what you feel about it, not what you think about it, not any of those things. It's what is actually happening in this moment and what am I feeling and do those two things go together? Because like I said in the beginning, emotions are dumb and our feelings are liars. For my producer, Jay Lindley, I'm Leslie Ross. Thank you all for joining us. Please send any questions or comments through the website, heytherapist.com or email help at heytherapist.com. They may be featured on the show anonymously. Hey Therapist is an SEOK radio production and is for your entertainment purposes only. Thank you for joining us. Make good choices. (laughs) 